Good morning. I would invite you to go ahead and take a Bible out this morning if you haven't done so already and, and follow along with us. Make sure that everything you hear this morning is sound and is of the truth. And I'd like to talk just a little bit about this new year that we have been blessed with in 2016. We, uh, we have started a new year here at Lake Street, and I'm going this year to be guiding our minds in a topic that I think is very, very important to the Lord's Church, and that is the topic of evangelism. All year long, at least once a month, I want to be looking at things that have to do with evangelism. We're going to ask questions like, what is evangelism? Why is evangelism so important? And just how is it that we are supposed to do evangelism? <clears throat> How can we be more effective? Now this morning in class, Logan brought up the point that it's better to know who we are before what we do. You know what? I think he's exactly right. He's exactly right. Because before we begin to look outside of the house, before we begin to take that message out to the world, we need to do some cleanup right here inside. So this morning we're going to be looking at the idea of church membership. What we're going to look at this morning is we're going to look at church membership and we're going to ask ourselves, what does church membership look like? And is church membership absolutely necessary? Is that something that we really need? This is going to be a great time for you to ask yourself, am I a member of a local body of Christ? Maybe this morning you were, you were out and you were just kind of shopping around for a church. You, you've been visiting with us for a few a couple times and we are so thankful for, those, for you visiting with us and we love to have you here more often. Maybe you take this information and you'll consider whether or not you need to, to place your membership with us here at Lake Street. But this morning I'm really going to be more focused on people who would already consider themselves members. As I said, we are going to ask the question, am I really a member of the Lake Street Church of Christ? First thing I want to do is I want to look at what is the church? And we have two senses that come up throughout the, the throughout discussions with people, and that is often that we have the church universal and the church local. So let's look at the church universal. In Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 41, Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 41, we read, So then those who had received his word were baptized, and that day they were added about 3,000 souls. And look again over in verse 47. Verse 47 says, Praising God and having favor with all the people, and the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. Just what was they, were they being added to? The Lord was doing all this adding to, uh, of those who were saved. They were being added to something. But what was that? What was it they were adding? Well, what we see here, what we see here in Acts chapter 2, is the first physical embodiment of what Jesus said he would build back in Matthew chapter 16 and verse 18. That is the church, the body of Christ, the group, <clears throat> the group made up of all the saved. <sighs> Look with me over in Matthew chapter 16 and in verse 18. And I know this passage is a passage that all of you know and can probably memorize but still it does us good to look at it and look at his words that were written, written down for us. Matthew 16 and verse 18. When Jesus said, I also say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. 
Jesus talked about building his church. That's what God was adding. That's what they were added to, their number. They added to their number. It was talking about being added to this church. A church made up of all people in, around the world in the past that have been saved. And we also saw in Acts chapter 2 that the membership into this universal, and I'll put that in quotes because that's not in that's not a word that we find in the Bible, but we do understand, I think, the the sentiment of it. The the universal church is done automatically upon conversion. Membership into is done automatically upon conversion. That's what we read there in Acts, is the Lord was adding those who were being saved. So if that's church universal, what is this idea of a local church? Does that make us somehow different from the church universal? Does that make us different from one another and from different churches? Well, we would say that we would all agree that we are obviously all members of that universal church. The Lord added us to that number. We are all members of that church. But there is a difference between us and, say, the Richmond Church of Christ. the University Church of Christ in Richmond. There's a difference between us and them because we don't meet in Richmond. We meet here in Nicholasville. So there is a physical difference in the places that we meet, in the location that we meet. Another thing, if that church over there in Richmond, if they decide that they're going to have a gospel meeting and they're going to invite some high-paid gospel preacher, that doesn't necessarily imply that we have to make that same decision. We could decide to not have a gospel meeting or or we could decide to have a gospel meeting but have men that would offer to do it for free. The point of all this is to say that we are autonomous. They make their decisions and they don't answer to us and we make our decisions and we don't answer to them. We only answer to the head of the church which is Christ as Colossians 1 and 18 tells us. And so you might ask yourself, well, well, do Can you show me examples of these kind of churches in the Bible? Do they exist back in Jesus' day? Well, turn with me over to Romans chapter 16 and look with me in verse 16. Romans 16, 16, another passage you might have had memorized. Greet one another with a holy kiss. The churches of Christ greet you. Now there was a reason we turned to Matthew 16 and verse 18 and that was to see with our very own eyes what the word says and that said Jesus instituted his church. Not churches. Not plural. He instituted his church. It was singular. But now over here in Romans Paul is saying the churches of Christ, indicating more than one church of church was sending this greeting. Now, either Jesus and Paul were liars, or they were talking about two different things. And I believe the latter is the is the solution to this conundrum. The churches of Christ just simply indicates a plurality of local congregations, all members of that universal church. The same thing can be found in Galatians. In Galatians chapter 1 and in verse 2, actually start in verse 1, Paul an apostle, not sent from men nor through the agency of man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead and all the brethren who were with me to the churches of Galatia. Again, Paul writing a letter to the multitude of churches that were in the, the Galatian area. 
And then we can see over in Ephesians, and really all of the, all, all, most of the letters written to churches, and see in Ephesians chapter 1, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, to the saints who are at Ephesus, and who are faithful in Christ Jesus. So we see that, see that there was a differentiation. He differentiated, he called out specifically the saints who met at Ephesus. That was another local body of Christ that was doing a local work. It shows us then <clears throat> it shows us then that the Lord's body, the church, even in that day consisted of smaller local groups, local groups of, of members of the church universal. And becoming a member of one of these groups was done differently than becoming a member of the universal church. Look over in Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9, we have recorded for us Saul. This is going to later be known as Paul. But Saul now is seeking to associate himself with the church of Jerusalem. Acts chapter 9 and in verse 26 we read, When he came to Jerusalem, he was trying to associate with disciples, but they were all afraid of him, not believing that he was a disciple. But Barnabas took hold of him and brought him to the apostles and described to them how he had seen the Lord on the road and that he had talked to him and how at Damascus he had spoken out boldly in the name of Jesus. And he was with them, moving about freely in Jerusalem, speaking out boldly in the name of the Lord. <clears throat> so we see something very important here about membership into a local church, and that is it is a mutual agreement amongst Christians to gather together. These Christians here, they, they were afraid of Paul. They at first were standoffish. They didn't want to be in a membership, in a fellowship with him, if you will. They, they were afraid, but Barnabas helped ease those fears. Helped them to come to a better understanding of who Saul was now. Not, opposed, or not looking back at his former life, but looking at who he was right now and how he had changed. He had been saved. And he was ready to work. That's exactly what we see him doing in that passage. So I asked this question this morning. Is any of this important? Does any of this matter? Do I have to be a member of a local church? Do I have to be one who seeks to join myself to the work of a local group of the body of Christ? Well, considering its mention and its use in God's word, I think the Bible implies that God has a plan for the local church. I don't believe that the local church was just some, some coincidence, some happening that God instituted this great big universal church that's going to include everybody and some of them just happened to live in the same area and so they just decided, well, we will, we'll just hang out together. No. The mere fact that it is mentioned, and it is mentioned so many times in the scriptures, shows that God in His foresight planned for this. And if He planned for this, He has a plan for us to work in it. And as Christians, we should consider it our responsibility to join ourselves to that work. In fact, the idea that one can become a Christian but never join themselves to a local congregation, that's simply foreign. <clears throat> that's foreign to the Scriptures. We won't find that in there. So, we'll get right down to it. <clears throat> I want to give you some reasons this morning, excuse me. I want to give you some reasons this morning as to why you need to join a local church. The first reason I want to look at this morning is the church is a family. 
Family is a huge part of the, uh, of the Bible. It talks, it's talked about several times, and it's used in a metaphorical sense uh, in, in several different passages. In the book of Revelation, we will see so many times the description of the church as the bride of Christ. Look over in 2 Corinthians 11, verse 2. On this, along this same idea of the bride of Christ. We read in 2 Corinthians 11, verse 2, For I am jealous for you with a godly jealousy, for I betrothed you to one husband, so that to Christ I might present you as a pure virgin. <clears throat> if Christ is the husband, and the church has been betrothed to the husband, we can, we can understand that the church, therefore, is considered the bride of the husband. The bride of of Christ. And we know that Jesus has left to prepare a place for his bride. And one day he will return. When the bride's groom comes, he's coming for his bride. We want to be a part of the bride when Jesus comes. Not only is it described as his bride, but our relationship to one another is described. In Romans chapter 12 and in verse 10, we are told to have brotherly love for one another. It gives us a sense that we are, we are related to one another because of this relationship we have within the church. First Timothy 5 verse 1 and 2 also says, Do not sharply rebuke an older man, but rather appeal to him as a father. To the younger men as brothers, the older women as mothers, and the younger women as sisters in all purity. Second Peter, excuse me, First Peter, chapter two, verse seventeen also tells us that we are to honor all men and we are to love the brotherhood. So many times we are described in this family sense, and let me tell you something in. in, in the real in our world, in a, in a we look around at people maybe at an orphan. We look at someone who doesn't have any family, doesn't have that family union, and we say, "Well, that person's all alone," and we feel sad for that person. We look we we look at them and we we kind of hurt for them a little bit because we look at them and we say, "Well, they don't they don't have parents to learn from." To raise them up and teach them things they need to learn in this life. They're going to have to learn those lessons the hard way. And they don't have siblings to grow with. People to, to enjoy these moments in life and to, to create these bonds and these relationships. And we look at them and we say, well that's, that's sad that they don't have that. The church is comprised of the exact same setup. We see that when one member is weak, the other members are to care for them. When one member is wrong, the other members are to lovingly confront them, help them see where they're wrong, try to steer them back to a right to a, a right decision. We see that they are <coughs> excuse me, we see that they are to support one another. They are to cheer one another on when they need it. We see someone that's just on fire in their work for the Lord. We should be right there beside them. Encouraging them not to, to just keep on and go and you're doing a great job. And if we ever notice that they need help, we better be ready to get our hands in there. Because that's what a family does. A 
family goes to the sporting events and encourages their children, cheers them on. When they're working on something and they, they need that help, maybe a, a science project, the family is there to help out with that, that project. And you can bet, because your own family is like this, you can bet there's going to be dysfunction within the family of God. Just like your own family has dysfunction in it, so will the family of God. We all have that uncle, have that aunt, who maybe had to get together, they're overbearing. Or maybe they come and they try to pry into your life. What's going on with that little guy or that little gal that I've seen you with on Facebook? What's going on there? Maybe they tell these lousy jokes that aren't funny. They're actually kind of obnoxious and they tell it every single year like it's the first time you've heard it. Or maybe it's a cousin who just somehow knows, has that ability to push that button. Say things just the right way to to get you fired up, make you upset. And maybe they take things too far. Maybe, Maybe it's that family member that just smells funny. Have that kind of strange odor that goes along with them. And you know what? Maybe you're this family member. Maybe it's you. I know I've certainly been that family member before. And I tell you what, when you look inside this family, the family here in the church of God, I'm going to tell you what you're going to find. You're going to find the same type of dysfunction. And you're going to find people who are hypocrites. And you're going to find people who are judgmental. And they kind of look down their nose at other people and what they do and notice all the things that they do wrong. And you're going to find people who I guarantee you, despite their best intentions, with a, a heart full of love, they're going to say some of the meanest things and smile and never even realize how much they might have hurt you. Why? Why are you going to find that? Because we are people. We are people. We are dysfunctional. Romans 3 puts it like this. We are sinners. We have all fallen short of the glory of God. And let me tell you something. This isn't one of these things that you can just pine away to the old days and say, I sure do wish it was it was like when my granddaddy was, was around and nobody was like that right there. Because guess what? This isn't a new problem. In fact, even in, in the first century in New Testament times, they dealt with this as well. Look over in second or excuse me, third John and in verse nine. Third John in verse nine reads, I write I wrote something to the church, but Diotrephes, who loves to be first among them, does not accept what we say. For this reason, if I come, I will call attraction, uh, excuse me, I will call attention to his deeds, which he does unjustly accusing us with wicked words and not satisfied with this, he himself does not receive the brethren either. And he forbids those who desire to do so and he puts them out of the church. Diotrephes sounds like a mean man. He sounds like someone that I wouldn't want to have something to do with. 
And guess what? This world today is full of diatrophies. We might even find them right here in Lake Street. But that doesn't mean that we should just forsake the assembling of ourselves together. That doesn't mean that we should just say, I'm not going to be a member at that congregation. Not even to say, I'm going to go somewhere else. Because see, here's my next point. Just like you have your faults, this church has its faults. And we need one another. The church needs you. Just like being described as a family, over in 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 14, the church is described as a body. 1 Corinthians 12, starting in verse 14, says, For the body is not one member, but many. And if the foot says, Because I am not a hand, I am not a part of the body, it is, is it not for this reason any less a part of the body? And if the ear says, Because I am not an eye, I am not a part of the body, it is not for this reason any the less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? And if the whole were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But now, God has placed the members, each one of them, in the body just as He desired. And if they were all one member, where would the body be? But now, there are many members, but one body. And the eye cannot save the hand, I have no need of you. Or again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, it is much truer that the members of the body, which seem to be weaker, are necessary. And these members of the body, which we deem less honorable, on these we bestow more abundant honor. And our less presentable members become much more presentable, whereas our more presentable members have no need of it. But God has so composed the body, giving more abundant honor to that member which lacked, so that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. And if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now, you are Christ's body and individually members of it. Now let's consider this concept for a minute. Let's think about the UK men's basketball team. The UK men's basketball team, something we can all kind of relate to, living this close to Lexington and and, and having... um, such a a liking for that sport and for that team. Let's consider they're playing a game, and in in that game they have to function as a whole. If they want to win, they all got to be working together. If one member doesn't do his part, he is hindering that thing, and oftentimes the whole thing just falls apart. Now let's imagine that they're playing a game, and number one recruit, Scal, whatever his last name is, I, I, I never can pronounce it right, One of y'all can tell me how to pronounce it afterwards. He's number one. That's his jersey number. He's number one. He decides during this game, he says, I'm just, I'm not having a great game. People are are rebounding right over top of me. I've taken ten shots. I ain't hit but two of them. I'm just, I am all over the place. I'm a mess. I'm not doing any good for my team. I think what I'm going to do is I'm just going to hang back here. And see if anybody knows. You know what? Even better yet, I'm just going to sit right down here, right smack dab in the middle. I can see real good what's going on offensively, defensively. I'm just going to watch. I'm going to watch, see how these guys handle things. That's not going to do them a whole lot of good, is it? But there's some things that we need to recognize about that situation. Number one, he's still there. He is still 
there. He hasn't somehow magically been transformed and, and, and taken away, transported away to some other place. No, he is still right there in the middle of the game. He can see everything that's going on around him. Number two, he's still in uniform. He still looks like a UK wildcat. He still has that appearance. In fact, number three, he still is a UK wildcat. Now, I can't say for how long. If he keeps doing things like that, eventually they're probably going to tell him, say, listen, you just go on back home. You head right on back down there to, I believe, Memphis is where he's from. Say, you just head on back there. We're not going to have somebody sets at half court all the time. <laughs> but let me tell you what he's not. He is not an active member of that team. He is not a participator. He is not even a help. He is a spectator. Like the 20,000 plus members of, 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 the, of the crowd that is just sitting there watching. And just like every team needs every member, the local church needs every member. There are members who say that they are members, but in reality they are just sitting in the middle of the court watching what's going on around them. And they're still there. And they look like Christians. In fact, they are Christians, but they are not productive Christians. They are not Christians who are helping their brothers and sisters. They are Christians the Bible calls wicked and lazy. Let me ask you, when we consider ourselves, we don't want to be like that. But maybe we just haven't realized that we were setting down. Let me give you a test. A test that you can take that might help you in some way. And I, I, I don't want to say that this works with 100% certainty because, you know, I'm not the biggest grammar person in the world. I, I sometimes make mistakes. In fact, Holly reminds me on a regular basis after I sit down, that word you used, yeah, you know that one? It doesn't exist. It's not a real word. I make up words sometimes. So don't, don't get me wrong. I'm not a grammar police. But if you use words when you talk of the work here at Lake Street, words like they and them and those guys, you might consider if you aren't sitting down at middle court. Those guys over there at Lake Street, they are having a gospel meeting. You should go to it. Let me give you an opposing view that, that might, and you tell me, do you think this sounds somewhat different? We at the Lake Street Church of Christ are having a gospel meeting. I would love to see you there with us. You know, it does sound a little bit different, doesn't it? It sounds a little bit more involved. You know the reason why it does sound different? Because it is a little bit different. It is different. We need to view ourselves as a part of the body. Not merely just someone who is there in attendance. Because being a member is so much more than just attending a certain congregation. That is a part of it. But it's more than just being there. In, in Acts 9, you'll remember Paul seeking to join the church at Jerusalem. He wasn't seeking to join there just so he could say he was attending the church at Jerusalem. He wanted to work. 
And we see later he did work. Spoke boldly. Now imagine again. Imagine again that same basketball game. Maybe you had season tickets to go to that game. You had season tickets, but for some reason, some reason you didn't go. We'll say it's because maybe you had some relatives coming down from from Louisville. And they don't like the UK Wildcats. Maybe, maybe even more than that, they don't like basketball. And you think, well, I don't want to make them uncomfortable asking them to go somewhere where they maybe have no idea what's going to go on. Or they just simply aren't a, a big fan of that. I don't want to make them feel uncomfortable, so I'm, just, I'm not going to ask them to come. And I'm just going to stay here with them. Keep them company. Or maybe you thought, well, I've had a long day at work today, and I don't feel, I'm kind of tired, and you know what, I just don't feel like going. Or maybe work called and said, hey, you want some overtime? You're going to have to miss that basketball game, but if you want the money, you're going to have to be here to work. Whatever the reason, you decide, okay, I'm going to miss this game. Later on that evening, you get a phone call. Pick up the phone. It's Coach Cal. It's Coach Cal, and he says, you know, we noticed out of that 20-some-odd thousand seated arena, we noticed your seat was empty. We noticed you weren't there. And you know, you provide a great deal of spirit and encouragement. We really like it when you're here. Just seeing your face in that seat, man, it makes my players play so much harder. Where were you? We needed you. Is everything okay? Now, after the the shock of talking to Coach Cal on the phone possibly wears off, I'm going to say that you're going to be just a little bit put off by that. Say, well, Cal, I appreciate you calling, but uh, can, can you explain to me why you think I had a contract, contractual reason to be there? Just because I bought those season tickets didn't mean I was going to come to every single game. You know, I, I will come whenever I feel like coming. I'll be there when I feel like it. In fact, I remember that performance you had with Ohio and LSU earlier in the year. And you just tell you right now, you ought to be happy you have my support. Things weren't going too great then. Maybe if y'all pick it up. Let me tell you, this is the same way that many Christians view their attendance to services today. Attitude, I'll come when I please. I'll come when I can. I'll come whenever I feel like it. Maybe my job or recreation has gotten in the way and you... You're just going to have to understand, I can't, I, I can't forsake my job. I won't forsake my family. That's not the kind of attitude, not the kind of attitude that Christ told us to have, though, was it? We were supposed to forsake all for him. Maybe you get that call and it kind of puts you on edge. You know, we sure did miss you. You don't realize what you what you bring to services. Picks us so much up so much when you're here. We missed you last night. We missed you on Wednesday.
you should know that you get that call not because we like to put you on edge. You get that call because as this local body of Christ, we need you. Because you are a member of our body. And without you, well, we are handicapped. Just like the body has, need, really needs the hand. The body really needs the elbow. The body really needs the big toe. Can you imagine trying to walk around without your big toe? Can you imagine scuffing up and hurting even your pinky toe? It affects you. It affects your stability. We need you. Even if you think you don't offer much. I'm going to tell you right now, if that's the reason why you think that you just don't offer much, there's not much that you have to give, I want you to remember that whether it be cleaning the building, or preaching, or preparing communion, or leading singing, or teaching the children, or visiting the sick and the elderly, inviting friends and relatives and neighbors and co-workers, or just arranging a study, or just encouraging someone, let me tell you, there are no rock star positions in the church. In fact, we don't see that anywhere in the Bible, that there's one position that is so much better than the others. In fact, we are described in a way, not to say that we are on competitive levels, but to say that we are equal. 1 Corinthians 3 and verse 9 says that we are simply fellow workers. Fellow workers. We're all in this together. And we're all just as important as the other. And we're all needed. This morning I have pointed out to you that you need to be a member of a low congregation because that low congregation is your family provided for you by God. And because that low congregation needs you just as much as you need it. We need one another. Finally, I want to make one last point. And that is you need to be a local member of the congregation of the body of Christ because, quite simply, you can't go to heaven without it. Now, I want you right now to do do something for me. I heard this phrase a week ago, and i got to tell you, I really liked it. The phrase is slow thinking. That's what I want you all to do. I want you to do some slow thinking. Because maybe right now you are going, you've got to be, join a church. You, the Bible tells me I need to be forgiven to go to heaven, Kyle. Don't you remember? The Lord was adding to their number daily. Why are you going to come in here and say, I've got to be a part of a local church to go to heaven? And you know, I would tell you, you're absolutely right. You have to be forgiven. You must have been baptized to have had your sins washed away. If you have any hope of eternal life in heaven, without that there is no other way. And that's a great start. But is that all you need to get to heaven? Just that watery dip into the into the pool or into the baptistry? No. No, we know that's not all. And if we were to sit around, we'd probably come up with things like, Well, you know what? I think you need to love the Lord. Maybe one member would suggest that. And I would say to that member, you're absolutely right. If we don't love the Lord, we're really wasting our time with all this. 
Another member might raise his hand and say, you know, it would be a good thing for you to have a Bible so you can be involved in His Word. You can be applying it to your heart. And again, I would say you're absolutely correct on that. we gotta, we got to be in just immersing ourselves in God's Word. And another one might raise their hand and say, well, I think you need to be good at, you need to be praying. You need to be good about praying to the Lord. And I would say, yes, you need to be good about praying to the Lord. He wants to hear from you and know what's going on in your life, and He wants to hear your gratitude. But can we add to that list that you need to be an active member of a local congregation? Many people right there at that, they're going to scoff, and they're going to say, listen, I am all about God. I love Him fervently. And I am all about Jesus. He is an intricate part of my life. In fact, every time, every time I go out, I see Him in everything that I see. I see Him in the trees. I see Him in the birds. I praise His name. But that whole church business... I'm just, I, I don't get into organized religion. It's the way we'll hear it a lot of times, right? Organized religion. I'm just not big into that. Stuffy buildings and pig-headed people. No, thank you. That's not what says Jesus to me. Let me ask you, is that not kind of like saying, I am totally into my spouse, my wife. I love my wife. I think about her all the time. I carry her picture in my wallet. She means everything to me. But I'm not going to spend any time on our relationship. I don't want to spend time on our marriage. Well, no, people would look at that and say, that doesn't make any sense, Kyle. That marriage, that relationship is a physical, tangible manifestation of your love for one another. Let me tell you, guess what the church is? How can I say I am all about God? How can I say I am all about Jesus, but not be all about the church? How can I say that? If God loved the church and gave His Son to die for it, made Him head over it, how much interest should I invest in it? The church is the physical manifestation of God's love for us. It's something tangible that all of us can enjoy. Can I honestly say I love the Lord when I don't show that love to His church? A church that He died to create. Let's look again at our scripture reading. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 2. 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 2. Paul called as an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God and Sosthenes, our brother, to the church of God, which is at Corinth, to those who have been sanctified in Christ Jesus, saints by calling with all who in every place call in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours. Who were these people? The passage here talks about how they were a group of Christians. They were a group of Christians who, like us, they would have loved the Lord. Like us, they would have desired to go to heaven. So they bond together to work for one another. Work together. 
The Bible says that they were sanctified by Jesus. They were members of God's church. They met in the city of Corinth. It's pretty clear to me. If you want to go to heaven, you've got to be like these guys. You've got to be like these people. You have to be an active part of a local congregation. So let me ask you, who are you? Maybe you think, well, I am a follower of Jesus Christ. Say, great. Great. Then join yourself with other followers of Jesus Christ so that you can work together so that we can all go to heaven. You might say, well, that sounds wonderful. What's that called, Kyle? What's that called? That's called the local church. Another way the scripture describes this concept of working together is in the phrase, one another. One another. That sounds familiar to many of you. Every Sunday morning and Wednesday evening over the last quarter, you've been studying the many one another passages in the Bible. And I'm going to stop right here and take a moment to say that if you have, if you have not been here for those studies, you need to be here for those studies. Because in those studies, and also in the ones coming up this quarter on Colossians that we, we have just started and already has been beneficial to me, in these studies we are going to learn important and vital lessons that will help you go to heaven. Your children being here, being in their classes, will learn important and vital lessons to help them go to heaven. We need to be here. So that we can learn lessons like that's found, that that is found in Hebrews 3. Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 13 tells us that we are to encourage one another. But encourage one another day after day as long as it is still called today so that none of you will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Let me tell you, there are times when I don't do my best. There are times when I don't have my best foot forward. Maybe it shows through in a bad attitude. Maybe I'm unkind to someone. I'm short with them. Maybe it happens here in services and I just kind of want to slip out of services early. I don't want to say nothing to anybody. Just try to get out of that situation. Maybe it's something that makes me decide I don't even want to come to church at all. I just have no desire to be there. And you know, someone, someone comes up to me in this and they call me out on it. They say, you know, Kyle... You seem like you've been down in the dumps lately. You seem like you've been upset. We've missed you when you aren't here. When you are here, you've said some kind of hurtful things. Just wondering what's going on. And you know, I might be tempted to tell you it's none of your business what's going on. I'll take care of me. You take care of you. You know, that kind of mentality, a uh, speck plank, don't you worry about me, worry about yourself. But you know what? That doesn't change the fact that I need you to do what you did. I need you to do what has been commanded of you. I need encouragement. 
I need you to come up to me and say, what's going on? I need you to come up and ask, is there something you can do to help? Why? Because I want to go to heaven. I want to go to heaven more than anything. And if I continue in this bad attitude, if I continue acting the way I, I, I might have been acting, that's not going to be doing me any favors. And if you're not an active part of this body, can you fulfill the command to encourage me? If you're not fulfilling those commands, can you go to heaven? If you're not fulfilling those commands, can I go to heaven? We rely so much more on one another than we sometimes typically think about. And there are so many more. We're to restore one another. We are to forgive one another. Be hospitable to one another. Pray for one another. Build up one another. Love one another. Be devoted to one another. Can I say that I'm devoted to my brethren? To my family? But I will not join them. I will not work with them. I will not be with them. No. We cannot say that. And if you are not a working member of a local congregation of members of the Lord's body, you are not fulfilling God's will. So this morning, this, this is one of these lessons. You should know. This is one of these lessons that I don't necessarily look forward to preaching. Because this question I have here on the board, do I need to be a part of a local church? That's a question that I look at and then I go, really? Do I need to speak about that? Do people really not know? But it's obvious that these days many people just simply reject that idea. I think the reason is because we don't like a commitment. The same reason so many people choose to just simply cohabitate with one another instead of getting married. Because I don't want to be tied down. The same reason why some people just choose not to join a gym because I don't want the commitment of having to Go to that gym and get my money's worth. Maybe it's why they go with a no-contract phone service provider because they don't want to be locked in to one contract. Why? Because there is no accountability. There's no accountability there. And the same reason goes for many with identifying as members of a local church. I think a lot of people know that God requires us to be committed individuals. And as a member of the Lord's church, and as a member of a local church, we will be accountable for our actions, not only to God, but also to our other members. Let me say, if that's the reason why you haven't been doing this, if that's the reason why you haven't joined yourself, don't let that scare you. Don't let that scare you. You need to understand, it's a beautiful thing. That accountability is a beautiful thing, because God loved us enough that He gave us a support system. A helping hand. You think back to Genesis. You think back to Adam. When God looked down at Adam all by him was lonesome. And he said this is not right for you to be alone. You need help. And the same goes true today. Christian you will not do it on your own. There is no such thing. As a lone wolf Christian. You need help. And so do we. So do I. God saw that. And he put help in our lives. Local church is part of that help. This afternoon, this afternoon at 2.30, we are going to meet back here in this building. 
We are going to assemble for the purpose of singing songs to our Lord, to our great God. We are going to offer up prayers. We are going to praise Him. We are going to once again open His Word. We are going to study about making wise decisions. That will be what we study tonight at 2.30. I encourage you to be here. And again at 7.30 on Wednesday, we are going to get together and we are going to study again from, from God's Word. We are going to look in, in, back into the book of Colossians and study in that in a Bible study together. And you know, during that Wednesday night service, I've said before, that's my favorite service. Because I might come in and I've had a terrible week. Things have just not went right. And I come in, and there's my brother or my sister, and they're smiling, and they give me a hug and say, it is good to see you. And at that moment, I realize, you know what? They may have had a terrible week too. But they are here because they love God and they love me. And that picks me up. me smile. That is a blessing. And I encourage you to be a part of that. Maybe this morning you realize you need to be a member of the Church of Christ that meets here at Lake Street. Maybe you realize that you've been, you've been what you would consider a member here, but you have not been working with us. You need to do that. You need to start. You need to be helping out your brethren so that we can all go to heaven together. You've been spectating in the past, but now it's time to join your brothers and sisters, and you may realize that you you may realize that they are much more weary than they seemed. As we talked about last Sunday, Paul said that he, he didn't focus on the things of the past, but he pressed forward. That's what I encourage you to do today. Don't focus on the things that you may have done wrong in the past. Don't focus on how you may not have been here to help us out when we needed it. We're not going to focus on that either. You know what we're focusing on? Moving forward and heading towards heaven. Or maybe you have, discern, you have determined that you are not a part of the body of Christ at all. Let me ask you that question. Do you want to go to heaven? Because there is only one way to get there. Romans chapter 10 verses 9 through 10 says you must believe. You must believe in God. Believe that Jesus is the Son of God. You must make confession of that belief. Acts 2, 2 verse 38 tells us we must repent of those sins in our lives and we must be buried in baptism for the forgiveness of sins. Here in just a moment we are going to stand and we are going to sing a song of invitation. We have set aside that point, that point of time right then and there that if you have any need whatsoever, you can come forward, you can let it be known. We stand ready to assist you. And I encourage you not to let that moment go by. But if it does, don't wait. If it's the middle of the night, you let one of us know. Let us know what we can do for you. Because that's what we are, a family that needs one another so we can go to heaven. If there is some way that we can help you this morning, I encourage you, please come forward now as we stand and as we sing.